Listen, you smell something? Human emotions are materializing in the form of a viscous psychoreactive plasm with explosive supernormal potential. What a discovery, a psychoreactive substance. Do you know what this equipment is used for? Boggle or Super Mario Brothers? We'll have fun! Yeah! They're still doing a really quite good work there. My friend, don't be a jerk. We've got no choice. Call a Ghostbusters. Super Jackpot! Welcome to Extraplasm Podcast. It's the only podcast on the internet that considers French bread pizza as a potential gift for the average baby shower. I'm your host, Jim Maritato, aka Vink Maniac from the internet, and I'm excited to talk with you all this week as we're getting our first glimpses of what it looks like when a Ghostbusters production crosses the proverbial pond for the filming of the next Ghostbusters live-action film codenamed Firehouse. We're going to be talking this week in headlines about some really interesting images that came from Scotland of the Ecto-1 arriving at an airport. We'll also talk about some stories related to Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed, Ernie Hudson, and some cool merch that's on the way, including some awesome updated glow-in-the-dark offerings from our friends over at Phantasm Toys. And then, it's on to an interview with Stephen Shea, who long-time listeners of the podcast may remember from way back in episode one. Uh, So continuing my tour of playing favorites, Stephen joins us this week to talk about upcoming Ghostbusters charity events that the Los Angeles Ghostbusters are going to be holding, including their Ghostbusters night of cocktails, partying, and trivia that's taking place on Friday, February 24th, and that benefits Starlight Foundation. Uh, That'll be taking place at Player One Arcade Bar in North Hollywood, and yours truly will definitely be there. Uh, So we'll talk with Steven about his upcoming animated film project as well, Isla Monstro, and we banter a bit about Ghostbusters plot ideas and other pop culture and movie conversation. And if you're thinking, Jim, are you ever getting a new guest again that we haven't met before? Well, probably, and maybe even next episode, but this is a good opportunity to say it. If you've got something to share, whether you're a franchise founder, an artist, a toy maker, a content creator, uh, whatever it is, and you're looking to get some time to talk about your Ghostbusters project, you can always reach out to me at Extraplasm on Instagram uh, and on Twitter or via email at extraplasmpodcast at gmail.com. We're ready to believe you've got something to contribute. Uh, and I say that, you know, not to be joking around, but that, uh, you know, running a Ghostbusters podcast, Extraplasm has, has always its purpose has been to serve fan community and to help to let fans get stuff known out there. So, you know, by all means, if you have something that you want to share uh, with the podcast, you know, feel free to reach out right now. I would especially say there's kind of a ramp up to a whole bunch of different productions. And so the amount of news that exists in terms of the official Ghostbusters stuff is fairly sporadic. And by the same token, the purpose of Extraplasm has never just been like, hey, let's just reiterate what's coming out of uh, Sony public relations, but to also give uh, knowledge and awareness to the folks who are out there in our community. So if you've got something you want to contribute, if you're an artist or a maker uh, or your franchise is doing some important charity work that you want to let people know about, um, you can reach several hundred people at a bare minimum via <laughs> being on an, an episode of the show. So um, that's not to overstate my importance as much as I want to be able to start to spread the love around in terms of folks coming on the show. Um, I, we've heard from some folks in the last couple of weeks who I really enjoy and enjoy talk, enjoy talking a lot with. And we're I'm in the works of getting some other folks on the show in the coming weeks, but it's a lot easier when there's folks out there who want to come on the show. So if you're interested, this is not me being like, I'm desperate. Please come on my podcast. Uh, but the the, uh, the door is relatively open for folks who might have something they want to share. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of the things that are out there in the Ghostbusters community this week. And to do that, we need to first move into Ghostbusters headlines. 
Still making headlines all across the country, the Ghostbusters are at it again. Today, the entire eastern seaboard is alive with talk of incidents of paranormal activity. Call in topic today, ghosts and ghostbusting. Extraplasm, read all about it. Ghostbusters headlines coming at you. So like I said, the top story of the week is probably the sudden appearance of one of the Ghostbusters Afterlife Ecto-1s on a trailer at an airport in the UK. Uh, I've been joking for a few weeks that I'm interested to see if they would bring the Ecto-1 to the United Kingdom by air or by sea, um, or if they would like somehow teleport it there via some ectoplasmic teleportation device that's powered by Muon technology. Um, but I'd imagine for some reason that it would have gone on a boat. I've joked that it would have gone on Marine Ecto-8. Uh, but I, from my standpoint, I was like, I don't even know if you could put that thing on a plane. And if you did, it would have to be a really expensive cargo plane as opposed to uh, putting it on something that it might fit on like a boat with other cargo. Well, turns out I was wrong. And the uh, Ecto was photographed being unloaded and transited through Prestwick Airport in Glasgow. Uh, and so thanks to a helpful video from the Proton Pack is not a toy on YouTube called Ghostbusters Afterlife's Twin Ectomobiles. And zooming into the photos, it's pretty clear that the car in question is very likely the hero car from Ghostbusters Afterlife rather than the stunt car. Uh, now, both of those cars, of course, have, were had complete engine swap outs and all kinds of things happened to them. But one of the vehicles was really built more for drifting and the other was not. And so this appears to be the car that doesn't do so much drifting in the movie. Uh, so this is also the vehicle that was on display at the Peterson Museum in Los Angeles prior to. Uh, it being brought to the United Kingdom. And this is also the car that we believe as a fan community, I think is a consensus to believe we believe it to be Ecto 1A based off of the uh, the marks on the bumper. The uh, there was a we can't you can't see the bumper in the photo from Prestwick, uh, but we've seen lots of photos of the car. I've seen the car in person several times. There's a scar on the bumper from where there was a flashing light added to the bumper for Ghostbusters 2, but that needed to be removed so that the car could play the role of Ecto-1 as opposed to Ecto-1A. So um, that, you know, it's kind of interesting to think about that the car that's over there right now is the old Ecto-1A. It has now made it into more Ghostbusters movies and will be in more Ghostbusters movies than the Ecto-1 ever was, which is an interesting thing to consider. Uh, but I, I'm also kind of interested by this because if you look at the photos, you'll notice that the car has been torn down. I expected that. I don't think you'd want to put it onto a plane with all of the stuff on the roof rack. Uh, there appears to be like a, a, a photo of what the car is supposed to look like assembled, tacked up in the window or something. And it's interesting from the standpoint that the car has not really been renovated. They appear to have taken it straight from Peterson and not really done much with it other than to take all the stuff off of the roof um, probably to secure the doors because that car did have like a piece of um, almost like coat hanger or something that was holding the door shut for the gunner's door. Uh, but what's missing, of course, is the other Ecto because um, both of the cars vanished at the same time. For people who have been listening to the podcast for a while may remember that at the beginning of the year in January, I received a late Christmas gift to go to the Sony lot and tour lot. And at the time, the Ecto one that was on the lot, which I believe to be the what Proton Pack is not a toy calls Hero 2 or rather the drift car was the car that was on the lot. Um, and so that car was not there. And when we talked with the tour guide at the time, the tour guide said that the vehicle had been removed from the lot for filming. And so what does that mean? There's two. There's still two cars. One of them has made it to the UK and we've seen it. The other, we don't know where it is. Could that mean that it's currently getting 
refurbishment work uh, before joining the other car across the, you know, across the across the ocean? Um, could it mean that they're leaving one car here and they're going to do something here with it? Who knows? Um, you know, there's not really a way to know or a way really to tell about that. But it is kind of interesting to think about the idea that they they did it. They literally took the 59 Cadillac Miller Meteor and they brought it all the way across the ocean uh, to film over in the UK. So now in terms of it arriving in Glasgow, I was kind of interested by this because I'm like, well, I thought we're filming like in London, right? So why did the car go to Glasgow? Um, some of you may know a person out there in the community who's known as the Bearded Buster, uh, a.k.a. Tony Beersford who is also proton building on most of the social medias out there. Um, he and I talked a bit about this and he commented to me that the airport in question in Glasgow is largely, it doesn't just do commercial traffic, but it does a lot of cargo and military receiving. So um, this is a airport that's built to receive gigantic military cargo planes, which seems to track given that <laughs> we brought a Cadillac Miller meteor in a plane there. Uh, so, you know, thinking about why did it go to Glasgow, it may have a lot to do with the aircraft that was utilized to bring it there and where it needed to fly in. Who knows? Uh, but it's if you haven't seen these photos, they're out there. Um, you can go on to Instagram and probably just find them in a whole bunch of different places. Ghostbusters News definitely has an article. Um, I know that I had originally seen the photos first from an account on Instagram called Ghostbusters Mexico 2.0. Uh, so it may be or maybe them that I saw it from or somebody else. But the point is that these images are out there. You can find them. They're really kind of interesting and cool. And this is definitely the same car that was at Randy's Donuts um, in Los Angeles. The night of the friends and family premiere or the day of the friends and family uh, screening in L.A. It's the same car that was at the friends and family screening. It's the same. So it's the same car that was at the Peterson. So, um, you know, I believe that this is the vehicle that didn't run as well, but I don't necessarily know that for sure i can tell you that we watched it barely move under its own power uh at the friends and family event uh but the mechanic who was on site the technician was sort of adamant saying that the car really didn't run uh so i don't know how well it runs it may be something that they they know that that is the car that's less reliable uh, i don't really don't know but either way there's an ecto-1 and it's in the united kingdom and it's actually happening the filming is kicking off and it's beginning and I wish I had more answers for you as to what this all means. But from my standpoint, it means that we're making a movie now. <laughs> so um, get excited. And for those of you who are over in the UK, like I'm just going to say this. I've listened to many of you say for years how uh, lucky we are to be able to be even close enough <laughs> to these items and to be around them. You, you've got a finite window, kids. Um, I'm not telling you run down to the production and drive the folks who we love who are uh, at Ghost Core crazy, but. Um, you know, this is, you've got an Ecto one within your borders. Uh, if you can, if, if you have, if, if they take it anywhere, if they bring it anywhere, if they display it, go, uh, because it may be the only time that you have a chance to do it unless they start making lots of Ghostbusters pictures in the UK and, and just leave the car there. Maybe that's the plan. They're like, we're going to make five more movies, so we'll just bring it over here and leave it. But, uh, I kind of doubt that, <laughs> you know, so but it's very cool to see the car arrive. It's very cool to kind of know that the filming is starting to get underway. And um, I'm eager to see what happens next. You know, it's that's we're all waiting with bated breath for the next movie. But I think it's also fun to kind of see these bits and pieces arriving. I will say this moving out of this sort of period of things arriving and uh, this kind of speculation. Once filming begins, Extraplasm is not really going to do spoilers. Uh, and so I want to just put this on Front Street now that 
Um, if folks reach out and say, hey, I've got images that we got from a set that we're not supposed to have, like I'm probably not going to cover those. But in this case, this is not really like a set thing. Like this is not like, hey, there's a plot piece or this is something that somebody photographed while they were filming. These are cars arriving or a car arriving on a plane that everybody's like, wow, I can't believe they did that. So, um, you know, but like I said, what anything that's coming from set, we're not going to cover. But something like this, this is not really set. So you're worried that I'm going to do spoilers uh, because I'm talking about the car being there. Don't worry. We're not going to do that to you. Um, we got you back. So or at least I do. I don't know who we is, but uh, me, myself and I. In Ernie Hudson news. Ernie Hudson was a guest on the Howard Stern wrap up show with Rashawn Rogers. Uh, and if you have not seen this interview, you can spot it on the YouTube channel for the Howard Stern wrap up show. Uh, and you can probably go to Ghostbusters News to get a link to that pretty quickly and easily. Uh, but he was asked if Ghostbusters was the biggest role of his life. Um, and if that was something that most people think that he, that's the biggest role of his life, and if that's true. And he sort of got into this discussion for about three or four minutes about how um, it took him 10 years to come to terms with Ghostbusters in a psychological level because he felt pushed away by the studio and that he watched a script go from being uh, something where Winston was introduced in the first act to something where Winston wasn't introduced until halfway through it. And it was hard for him to not take that personally. Um, so I, you know, I don't want to try and like recite the entire interview to you. If you want to see this, by all means, check it out on the uh, YouTube channel for the Howard Stern wrap up show. But I thought it was kind of an interesting set of comments. He talks about the idea that even up to this most recent Ghostbusters movie, he's sort of been negotiating what his involvement is and, um, you know, suggests that if he's going to be there, that he can't just be an add on in some context, like an add on to the plot. And I think that's important, you know, to think about that. Like, I don't think of Ernie, Ernie Hudson as an add on as a Ghostbuster at all. And I think that he says this even in the interview that he doesn't think the fans think of him that way. Um, but, you know, I think it's it is kind of interesting to consider that as we move into the new sort of phase of Ghostbusters we're in now that Winston has been given the proverbial bankroll, uh, you know, to make Ghostbusters happen or not. <laughs> and I more and more think of Ernie Hudson as a face of Ghostbusters. You know, he's the guy who, if you were going to a convention for years, he was there in large part because he was not making the same amount of money probably as the other Ghostbusters guys. Um, you know, and he even talks about this, that he, he didn't take, Ghostbusters didn't kick off a whole string of new movies for him and he didn't become a massive star as a result of it. He just continued to be a working actor. Uh, and so, you know, that notion of being a working actor 10 years on means he starts going to conventions and engaging fans more and seeing the appreciation we have for him. Uh, but I sort of love that Winston is the, the face or the front of Ghostbusters for this next movie. You know, obviously, Ray will still be there. Um, I don't know what you know, Vankman's involvement as a character will be. But if there's any character in Ghostbusters to me that deserves to be given more prominence at the forefront, uh, it's Winston. And I'm excited about that. So um, I think that he, you know, this interview is one I've heard people talk about and say, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that they're still negotiating because he said he's negotiating. And I don't think they're negotiating his pay. I think there is certainly an ongoing conversation with all performers and uh, directors about what the story is and what their involvement is and what the characters are going to be doing. Uh, and whether or not they want to come on board for a particular take of the character or, you know, revival of the character. And I really think that's more what he's talking about, a sort of creative direction and what that is rather than financial, you know, involvement. And I'm sure he's being well compensated as well. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's an interesting little four minute piece. And I've probably turned it into even more content than that just by talking about it. So if you want to see it, feel free to go check it out again. This is uh, it's an interview with Rashawn Rogers from the Howard Stern wrap up show. And, you know, 
this podcast loves Ernie Hudson. He ends every single week of this show. We bring him in the studio and every week he says, always keep on busting uh, and have fun, you know? <laughs> so he doesn't really come in. He's never been here. Um, but, you know, he, he, he once made a cameo and we sample it because it's mine and I got it for my birthday. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> outside Ernie Hudson news, uh, let's talk a bit about uh, video game news for a couple moments. Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed had a hotfix patch from version 1.4 to version 1.41 since our last episode, which was kind of amusing because I think last time I was I was like, oh, this is out and let me react to it. And of course, like 24 hours later, here's a patch. Um, that patch apparently fixes some bugs involving ghosts that turn invisible in the middle of the match. Um, it does not correct the matchmaking issues that exist that that cause a second ghost to spawn in the match. Uh, and I can tell you that because I was in a match the other day that had seven ghosts, seven players in it again. <laughs> but uh, I digress. Um, um, so notably, my favorite glitch remains unaddressed by this update. But there are several that are addressed a bit and uh, ghosts that turn invisible objects that are not possessable. Some other issues that I guess have cropped up. There's also some changes to uh, the muncher ghosts that give him a little more balance. I think believe he uh, is able to accrue ammunition for his ultimate by eating things quicker uh, and that when he does so, it doesn't use so much of his haunting uh, power and I there's definitely been some changes to the Ghostbusters themselves in terms of reducing the speed at which they can tether a ghost and the uh, sort of strength or health of the tether once they hold the ghost to sort of give a bit of a challenge back. There was a lot of complaints in 1.4 about the ability for Ghostbusters to bust too easily and too quickly, especially by themselves. So 1.41 restores a little bit of the need to work together for Ghostbusters to succeed at a match. Um, if you want more Ghostbuster Spirits Unleashed coverage, I'll be honest with you. You should go to Ghostbusters News this week. Jason Fitzsimmons had a sit down with some of the devs to discuss the game and what's coming. Um, they've talked about some of the changes that they're going to be making. They talked about some of uh, the DLC that they have just released and how it's been received. They've talked about things like uh, apparently that they tried to put a nod to vodka in the game for Dan Aykroyd and he told them not to because he believes that Ray Stance is a whiskey drinker and not a vodka drinker. Uh, and they talked about the idea that they're setting like presets up for um, for character customization. So if you want to have like, say, four or five different characters that you've created in your character customization, you can save them all and then load them at whim. So as opposed to having to recreate them one by one, you can have a stable of characters you've made. So. Uh, those are some features that are coming out. But like I said, to be honest, I would really direct you to go and watch the interview that Jason Fitzsimmons did with uh, the devs from Ilphonic uh, for Ghostbuster Spirits Unleashed because it's going to give you way more information than I am. And um, I, I'm at a point where I think it's best if I give you the facts about this game and I reflect less about it because then I'm less negative. Um, so that's I still enjoy this game and I had a lot of fun playing it this past week. Uh, with the right people at the right time. But it's definitely kind of hard when the glitches are going bad, and we'll leave it at that so I don't go down, uh, you know, a negative river of mood slime uh, for, for the rest of the show. <laughs> but if you're a fan of Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed and you want to get some inside, or not inside, but some good information about what's going on with the dev team uh, that isn't just watching some folks play the stream, which happens, you know, a few times a week, this interview with Ghostbusters News is definitely one to check out. 
In merchandise news, Phantasm Toys, our friend Tony Taylor and our friend Brendan, uh, Brendan Pierce, Bucci Studios, are making the announcement through social media in the last few days that they have four figures back in stock that are, they're not new characters, but they are new figures. These are Sinister Stack, Terror Tub, and Ecto Ghouler and Headminer, and they've been released in glow-in-the-dark form, which is totally cool. Uh, Tony Taylor, if you're listening to this podcast episode, how did you not mention this when you were on the show? Um, did you mention this and I just didn't remember it? Because I don't remember it as I'm talking about it now. Um, and those of you who are listening to the show, like you could totally tell me if I've just completely blanked out and uh, had a stroke and don't remember this talking about this at all. But um, <laughs> apparently there's four characters out who are glow in the dark, which I think is really awesome. Uh, these are four great little characters. Uh, Ecto Ghouler looks like a possessed bo- drink box of Ecto Cooler if you've never seen it. And Terror Tub is awesome. That's the original like little claw tub with the slime blob coming out of the drain. Sinister Stack is, of course, a stack of possessed books that nobody would ever stack that way. Uh, no human being. And uh, Headminer is the ghost that came out that kind of looks like the ghost that drinks coffee from Ghostbusters Afterlife. So uh, those are out now. You can find them at phantasmtoys.com. Uh, Tony talked a bit about the things that are to come still. Uh, but if you've ever missed out on those figures, you didn't get those four. Um, or if you just like glow in the dark variants of things, now is the time to act. Those things are out there for you to pick up. Beyond that, the other piece of uh, merchandise information I want to throw out there for you is uh, that Rhett J. Martin, who's uh, a prop maker in the community, has released a set of the five prints from of Vigo's true form from Ghostbusters 2. Uh, so these are the five like photos that are essentially in the uh, dark room in Ghostbusters 2 that Egon and Ray are looking at when they're trying to figure out like what it is that is behind the River of Slime. So they develop these photos, of course, and as they do, that reveals that Vigo is not actually just the painting, but that he has an entire creepy like thing going on behind him like a river. Uh, So that set of prints are not they're not prints, really. They're digital downloads that you can then print, I believe, is 11 by 17 uh, posters. They're available through Rhett J. Martin's Etsy account. And so to get there, um, let's say the best way to give it to you is if you were to go to etsy.com slash shop slash stance industries like Ray stance. Uh, and so if you go to, to the stance industries page on Etsy, you will find that uh, Rhett J Miller's entire uh, set of offerings are there. He also has some other paper props like the um, you know digital downloads for the Ghostbusters Atlantic magazine cover and whatnot. Uh, but the this is the first time that he's offered the spectral Vigo photos. So those are available now. Uh, the price for the entire set of digital downloads is $20. So um, pretty affordable. If you have access to a good high quality printer and you want to be able to create those as props and then kind of have your own set of darkroom uh, photos from Ghostbusters 2, it's definitely a way to go. Um, it's an option you have. And the last thing I want to talk about, it's not really merch. I'm not really sure where to put this. So we're going to put it under mods as opposed to merch, because this is not really something that's being sold as much as it's good advice on what to buy. Um, If you're a person who's been trying to figure out how to extend the time that your HasLab Proton Pack will run, especially if you're the kind of person who intends to like stick it on a wall and like look at it, but you want it to be able to run in the background or something like as a, a set piece for Uh, you know, like a YouTube show you're doing or something, or if you just want to be able to put it on a table at a con and have it not turn off over and over again. uh, There is a person in HasLab Proton Pack Matters group on Facebook 
named Patrick Conlon, who's been given a lot of credit for creating a relatively simple and relatively cheap modification that you can even do in a way that doesn't require any solder. So you can implement it in ways where you splice the lines from your your HasLab proton pack um, and then solder things in place. Or you can do it by getting like a Y splitter for the JST connectors on the board and using a Y splitter instead. But the point is this. Uh, using like a six or seven dollar timer relay, it's programmable uh, and a couple of resistors and a couple of connectors and pieces of 22 AWG wire like um, you can build a thing that will allow you to keep your HasLab proton pack on indefinitely and essentially blind it to the wand. So when the wand turns off, it will have no idea that the wand turned off. Now, functionally, that does mean that you lose the ability to turn your pack on and off with the wand if you're using it uh, as a cosplayer. And so that's why I caution that if you use if you want to do something like that with it, where you still want that functionality, you may not want to do this. Uh, but the, the cool thing about this is that it has you can install the option into this extra switch port on the proton pack. If you have a HasLab proton pack, you likely know that there is a blank switch that is um, underneath the crank generator that is there because it was the original switch for the proton pack that, that was de- designed by the HasLab by the by the, uh, the props team for Afterlife. Um, and when Jason Reitman showed up on set, he was like, that doesn't make sense. That's not where the switch is because it's not where they reach in the first movie to turn the proton pack on. And so that's what led to the creation of the red switch. Uh, Hasbro left that second switch in place when they built the HasLab proton pack and scanned it off of the you know, 3D scanned it off the prop. So they actually implemented that switch and left it blank as a dummy thing. So you can actually install a toggle switch into that spot to turn the mod on and off. Um, wire it up inside your pack and leave it and never touch it again. Um, so there is, you know, I said last week, there are definitely options that are going to be coming from like people like, uh, you know, Doug Keithley, Ghost Lab 42, aka Spongeface, that are going to be more robust, that are going to do more things, that potentially interact with a vent relay, uh, potentially, you know, do things like downstep from a 12 volt talent cell battery. So you're not trying to run everything off 5 volt uh, USB. The point here is that if you're just looking to be able to keep your pack on and you don't want to spend a lot of money for 25 bucks, you can probably buy the relay, probably like five to 10 pieces of the wires, the connectors you need and the and the resistors um, and have the extra parts left over to hand off to a friend in your franchise or group or cosplay, you know, a charity group or whatever. So um, Patrick Conlon, C-O-N-L-O-N is the person, but the easiest way to find the mod and the directions for this is if you go to the HasLab Proton Pack Modders group, you will likely have to join it because I believe the group is now private. And if you go to the featured posts, it is the one of the most recent ones. You can also search within the group for the phrase forever on all one word. So F-O-R-E-V-E-R-O-N. Uh, and you will find like an infographic that has the wiring diagram and all the parts with tiny URL uh, link URLs like to the stuff you need to buy on Amazon. So uh, Patrick, I don't have any idea if you listen to this podcast, you may not. Maybe somebody who are friends of Patrick, if you want to tell them, hey, you, you, you were shouted out in a podcast. This was a really cool thing uh, to release out to the community and let folks know how to implement it. And everyone I've talked to who's done it has been like, yeah, it works great. And I've been really happy. So um, know that that's an option out there for you. Again, not something you have to buy directly from a person as much as it's re- a resource and knowledge of what to buy and how to implement it if you want to do so. Uh, that being said, if you look through HasLab Proton Pack Modders, you'll probably find a couple folks who are selling 
uh, the cables and things like in kits on Etsy, where if you don't want to go and find the right stuff yourself, you might pay a little bit more because those folks are doing things like wiring the stuff up together or soldering on connectors so that that way you don't have to. Uh, but that may be something that you can do. I believe I, I'm going to if I'm going to have to forgive myself here, or somebody's got to forgive me because I know there's at least one person there who's selling uh, the sort of the pre-wired cable where all you need to do is add the six to seven dollar timer to it and you're good to go. So um, for that person, I'm sorry, I can't remember who you are right now and I don't want to stop the podcast to go reopen Facebook. Uh, but there are some folks out there who are doing that for like 20 bucks. You might be able to pick up the cable pre-wired and then you pick up the um, the timer for another six to seven dollars, like shipped Amazon Prime. And for less than 30 bucks, like out the door, you are, you know, can wire up your proton pack to always run. And again, you will lose that functionality to turn the pack on and off with the wand. So this probably works best for those folks who want to sort of have it as an ongoing set piece on a table uh, or as a way to keep it running while you're, you know, sort of out at charity events or whatever's going on rather than to put it on your pack and be able to do cosplay with it. Or if you're like doing fan film stuff, it's probably not the best way to go. In which case, you know, keep your eyes out for what's left, what's what else is coming. Um, you know, and I also want to just sort of say, make sure you're keeping an eye on GB fans because Michael Rajot, who we talked about a few weeks ago and whose name I'm still not sure if I'm pronouncing right, uh, has done some really interesting work with the Arduino uh, platform that he's, you know, using to readdress LEDs. So, you know, there's going to be stuff coming. And so don't panic if you're uh, not ready, not able to do what you want to do yet with the lights or whatever with your pack, because I am sure that folks are going to be making more solutions. But if you're looking for an, an affordable and reliable always on solution, um, you know, forever on by Patrick Conlon, check it out. And with those headlines out of the way, let's go now to our conversation with our good friend, Stephen Shea, uh, as we talk a bit about his involvement in new Ghostbusters charity events with the Los Angeles Ghostbusters and his latest animated film project uh, in his role as uh, owner and sort of you know, runner. What is that the phrase? <laughs> the, the, the big cheese of abysmal entertainment. And so let's turn now to my conversation with Stephen Shea. Joining me on the podcast and returning as like the prodigal son who began it all and is back for another run. Stephen Shea of Abysmal Entertainment and Los Angeles Ghostbusters. How are you doing, Stephen? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me again. Thank you for coming. Um, I, I was kind of funny. I knew you were coming to uh, you know, be on the show. And literally yesterday, somebody messaged me and they said, hey, I'm getting caught up on old episodes of the show. And uh, I'm, I'm listening right now to episode one. <laughs> I was like, That's a good one. Really? Like you're all the way back in the beginning? And they were like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like thinking to myself, that show must sound really different. Cause like we recorded that one, like literally in your basement. <laughs> yeah. I remember that's a very professional setup. <laughs> I mean, what's funny is that I was thinking about this after that, that we recorded something in a basement in California and how freaking rare that is. Like you're the only person I know who has like a subterranean level in their home in this entire state. <laughs> like, it's a very cool basement. It is. You have a lot of cool stuff. But I was half the reason we got the house is because we wanted the basement. <laughs> but it's it is kind of funny, right? Like it's just everywhere you go in California, everybody's house is on a slab because you know, earthquakes is why. But oh yeah. yeah. Well, this place had a lot of damage in the Northridge quake, so luckily it's been rebuilt and like up to standards. So when 
we've I've been in the basement during earthquakes and it is super weird. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that you are safe and sound inside your basement compound. Um, yes, <laughs> but um, and I'm really glad you're you came back to do another episode of Extraplasm because yeah. we have some cool of stuff course. to talk about in terms of uh, what the L.A. Ghostbusters are doing and some information about, you know, just some cool stuff about what you're doing that even if it's not Ghostbusters related stuff is still just cool, uh, you know, animated content stuff. And you're always making yeah. things because, you know, you're you're at entertainment production. That's what you it's, do. So it's a living. <laughs> you said that like you're the uh, you're like you're the the, the dishwashing uh, yes uh, exactly. you know, bird from the Flintstones. I like that. It's, it's a living. living. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, again, I think it's really cool that you're uh, that you're out there in L.A. and doing the whole L.A. Ghostbusters thing. And we've known each other for a while from that. Um, yes. And. One of the reasons I know we, one of the things we're going to talk about is what's going on, you know, for the first couple of months here of um, of what year is it? 2023. That's what, where we are. That's right. right. That's where the phone wow. stopped. Um, <laughs> so um, th- there's been some events that y'all have been doing, but there's some events coming up that we definitely wanted to talk about and kind of get the word out about and help people know about. And a lot of that is helping to still uh, build upon the fundraising that you all have done for F- Starlight Foundation, which has been awesome yes um and you know we did some yeah, for the, extraplasm too which was cool so yeah but yes and thank you thank you so much for that it's been fantastic seeing a lot of different groups come together and raising money all around the country and we're i mean we're over i think th- yeah we're over thirty thousand dollars now so nice yeah and the goal uh, uh, folks out awesome. there if you like missed out i don't have another rc trap to give you right now but <laughs> if you missed out on donating to starlight um you can do that still there's still opportunities to go and do that you can even still do it through the extraplasm oh, yeah. page if you wanted to at um starlight.org slash extraplasm <laughs> donate.starlight.org slash extraplasm or donate.starlight.org slash la ghostbusters or just donate.starlight.org uh, and you can still donate to help out getting ghostbusters gowns uh if you're a newcomer to the podcast who's like yep. hey what are you talking about? I didn't listen to episode one. Um, <laughs> there's there's been a campaign for quite a while to try and create gowns that are in the vein of Ghostbusters flight suits for kids. And I would still think that's such a cool thing. So, yeah, um, and that's that's where I mean, we're over 75 percent of the way to the goal. The goal's 40,000 and we're over 30,000 right now. And Sony designed the gowns. They had a great team put them together for Starlight. And so it's all legit and authentic and it's yeah. going to be awesome. Um, and it's something that I think really inspires uh, kids when they have the ability to, you know, kind of put, put on something, they're superheroes and fight off an illness. It's really cool. Oh yeah. So it's like part of one of the most, I, we talk a lot about, you know, in this podcast about video games and other productions and things that are happening in the movies, but still like the notion that ghostbusters and charity fit together is uh, one of those things that remains really near and dear to my heart. I know that, it's one of those things that you listen to Jason Reitman talk about, you know, the power of Ghostbusters as afterlife came out. He got up on stage and talked about the power of franchises and the charity work they do. Um, and more and more, as I think about sort of appreciation of fandom and what it means and what you take away from it and what you appreciate about it. I think that that's the stuff that's becoming increasingly more important in my in my growing older age. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. you know, like, can I collect another action figure? Yeah, sure. And probably pretty easily. Um, can I go out and help make some kids smile who might be sick? That's harder work, but more rewarding. So, 
Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And it's been a challenge too during the pandemic because no one's been able to go into hospitals. Yeah. So the kids are there alone and Starlight's done a great job of bringing in video games and VR and some of these Comic-Con elements like the gowns to help give them a little bit, a little bit of a boost since, you know, they can't get visited by right. us or, or other costumed folks. So I every little bit counts. I hadn't thought about VR in hospitals actually. Like now that you've said that I'm like, that would be cool if you like got a Ghostbusters gown and then you could also play Ghostbusters VR. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you could like, I can't leave the hospital, but you know, like there was, there was a kid that went to, to a hospital near here that one of our members knew. And his mom sent a picture that it was actually at a starlight hospital and he had gotten wheeled in uh, to play Ghostbusters on, on a Wii, I think, a, <laughs> or on a or on switch. Like they, they, they wheeled in a Nintendo and he actually got to play Ghostbusters while he was in the hospital and happened to know one of our members. Like it was a big full circle moment. It was really awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think that's Matt's uh, little buddy, right? It is. Yeah. yeah I think he told is. that story on the podcast when he was here, which was very war- heartwarming um, to yeah. kind of hear about, you know, you, you support an organization then you find out it's also directly benefiting people, you know, it's mm-hmm. like adds so much depth to what you're doing. It's like, okay, cool. I already thought this was important. And I've talked about this before. Like, I think Starlight has I've thought Starlight is dope since I was like 12 <laughs> that I found them oh, in yeah. like Nintendo Power magazine years ago when I was like 11 or 12 years old. And I was like, there's a group of people out there whose entire job is to make sure that sick kids can play video games. And that's just freaking brilliant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is so, Absolutely. Um, well, I definitely want to talk to you a bit about that um, and find out a, b- a bit about what you all are doing. And then we could talk a bit about just other stuff in general, you know, Ghostbusters wise, mm-hmm. what's going on? What are you excited about? And um, what are you working on? Because I know you're not currently working on a Ghostbusters project, but I know you are definitely working on, you know, some other animated stuff that is in the vein of, say, ghosts and ghostbusting yes. and monsters and things. They're cool. So, um, yes, that people should check out when it comes out. But um, so, yes, I don't know. Other than that, what else is, how have you been? How, how are things, since you, you've been, you've had like 22 episodes to think about this question. How have you been since the last time you're on this podcast? <laughs> I'm trying to remember the exact date that that one came out, that we did that. When, when was that? August of 2022. Wow, that feels like a lifetime ago. Um, well, since August, yes, like you were saying, we, we greenlit internally a new animated feature film. That's a, a sci-fi comedy adult feature film it's kind of a mixture between futurama and south park and um i've been literally working on that almost every single day since october uh which animating a feature film by yourself is is a challenge yeah to find out (laughs) (laughs) um so we've been casting that and we've been drawing a, a absolute ton of assets and and putting all that together and so now we've gotten we've gotten about 95 percent of everything drawn We've gotten about uh, 90% of the cast finished. And uh, right now it's just about finalizing assets and starting to animate. And um, yeah, still a lot of work, but there's a lot of fun Ghostbuster references, of course, that I shoved into the movie. That <laughs> pop up. Uh, you sent me a, a single surprising. image. You sent me a single image this week where you were like, hey, check this out. There was some like big greenly googly eyed monster in a flight suit. And I was like, what are you up to? <laughs> Oh yes, there's a. The whole movie is all about this. This it's called Isla Monstro, which you can check out at islamonstro.com. But uh, it's all about a middle-aged loser 
who's trying to dodge some Miami drug runners, gets on a cruise ship and drunkenly falls off and wakes up on a deserted island that he discovers is actually a shutdown government facility that was a DARPA <laughs> super soldier experiment from the early 1980s. And the island's overrun with mutants that have been abandoned there for the past 40 years. And he gets this idea... <laughs> He gets an idea to turn the entire island into a four-star luxury resort, much to the dismay of the United States government. <laughs> I love this. This sounds uh, like Jurassic Park meets, uh, you know, Ghostbusters meets Monsters, it's, Inc. <laughs> it's totally bonkers. Like, it's, it's you know, absolute crazy. And so we, we've got an all-star cast that we're putting together right now. And it's, um, but there's a whole sequence in it where one of the mutants, they're like, they have a problem with ghost crabs. And they're like, you got to get these ghost crabs out of here. And so we have this fun cut scene where he runs in with a flight suit and a proton pack and he's shooting the laser at the, which ghost crabs are an actual type of crab. It's not <laughs> right. an actual ghost. <laughs> but he's chasing all these ghost crabs around the island. So it's like a running joke in the movie. <laughs> it's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. Fun stuff. Um, I think <laughs> it's cool that you have an animated feature coming out. And, um, I've been privy to hear a little bit about it as you've been working on it, which is very, very neat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that's so cool. Uh, and I, I'm really excited to see it when you're done with it because everything you. that you it's, tell it's, me about it makes me laugh. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's completely crazy. It's nuts, but it's it's that's like my entire life right now. It's just working on this movie, <laughs> which hopefully will finish up in a few months. So I'm really stoked about you coming out with this animated feature because uh, also I will means I might get to uh, see work that a friend made like from beginning to end, which is always cool. Um, I have admittedly like a, a major fan of my high school friends uh, band still, even though they haven't played a show together in years, they collaborate from like he, one of them lives in Florida and one lives in New York and they put out entire albums of content at this point, probably more content than they ever did when they lived near each other. Um, but it like makes me so happy when I get like one of their things and, um, they sent out an album, uh, digitally, and I paid them like I paid them a crazy amount of money for it, like a hundred bucks for a mu- for a music album. And they were like, "Why did you give us a hundred dollars for this? Like we put it out for free." And I was like, "Because you've put out all this stuff for free. <laughs> like I've known you since high school. And how much music have you made that I've never paid for? That's <laughs> just like so. Right. So I will pay for I'll pay to watch your movie if you put put it somewhere for me to pay and watch it because I like you. There you go, one <laughs> ticket down. There you go, dude. You've sold your first ticket." <laughs> well, and we're doing a, a lot of uh, a lot of ancillary stuff too. We're doing a whole merchandising package, and we have a comic book right now. We have twelve writers nice. doing twelve short stories that take place in the world for this comic, and um, we're doing you know shirts and hats and pins and toys. And uh, oh, we're doing uh, wax packs. We're gonna get wax packs made of the characters, which will be cool. That's awesome. Um, we're gonna merchandise the heck out of it for sure. I'm gonna <laughs> sell tickets on jimdango.com. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but uh, I also don't want to ever own a website called jimdango.com, but um, <laughs> I don't know, you never know what would go on you never there. Know. Let's not find out. <laughs> Maybe we don't pursue that's, this conversational pathway. That's, that's a whole new podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's where I sell tickets to myself. No, that's terrible. Right. <laughs> um, you've been working on the animated feature for a while, uh, like you said, since October, and um when like not to be like when is it coming why are you not done yet but what's what is your timetable <laughs> for it for it to release um well we we have to finish it first well once we get all the animation finished it'll be about three months of post audio between uh sound sound design score composing and everything so i mean 
realistically, I would say maybe like six months, you know, four to six months. Yeah. We'd probably be looking at like a more of a finalized copy of the movie. Um, and we're also, we're doing this literally with a handful of people. Right. There's like four people on the entire crew, right? Yeah, now, right. And talent. <laughs> so it's definitely a very bare bones, a very minimal, a very low budget uh, project. But, um, but it's going to look awesome. Like, it's looking really cool. It's all coming together really well. But I, w- I would say hopefully we'll have a screening by fall. Um, and then we're talking about doing a, a tour with it. We want to do like a comedy road show because the lead's a stand-up comedian. Nice. So do like a road show of uh, like, a, like a half an hour of stand-up and then you watch the movie. And we do that at a bunch of theaters around the country. And we're talking to a few places like that. We're also doing a Comic-Con tour. Gotcha. Uh, trying, we have a couple of Comic-Cons signed on. Uh, that have multiple cities and so we would do a tour there too it's kind of like the kevin smith model of uh <clears throat> very of much distribution. So. yeah it's gotten a lot easier you know since they've they've been very successful those types of models so yeah i think too like podcasting and like uh has has really kind of paved the way for that too like not to be like i have a podcast and that makes me part of something but um <laughs> you know like podcasting if you think 10 years ago was something that you probably wouldn't have found inside of a comedy club but right like now oh, you yeah. find like how many podcasts are like, hey, it's Tuesday night and uh, we'd be doing like uh, open mic. <laughs> but instead yep. we can get a dedicated fandom to come out and watch and then like watch a podcast being recorded or watch a movie screening with mm-hmm. a live component like a Q&A or, uh, you know, a storytelling feature to it. And people will come out and they'll buy, you know, two drink minimum and eat dinner. So, um, yeah, yep. I think you're right. Absolutely. I think those kinds of models are really become easier because they're more commonplace, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, I hope that goes well. And I'll, if you do that here, I'll come for sure. Um, Well, thank you. Yeah. One ticket sold. All right. Again, on on our way. (laughs) Jimdango.com, everybody (laughs) go now sign up. I don't have a (laughs) subscription, but I will take your money. I'm not telling you what I'm doing with it. I don't know what you're getting for it, but (laughs) Right. <laughs> I just I'm like here, buy tickets to what? A uh, future event. Um, what is it? I don't it's, know. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it's the Extraplasm Glow Bowling Party. <laughs> Perfect. It's the Extraplasm Glow Bowling and Batman Alleyway Fighting Competition. Um <laughs> from Batman Forever. But well, I'm not I'm not running those events, but um you are actually running events. And one of yes. them, one of them actually is a place that has black lights, I believe, if I'm not wrong. But there, there are some black lights in there. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you have going on that you're running since uh, I know that you're going to be running an event here locally soon? Yes. So our next big event is we're doing we, we were very successful with an event that we had done at Scum and Villainy. Uh, last year that you you were actually at. Yeah. And for those remember. for we those who our- aren't familiar with what Scum and Villainy is, it is a Star Wars themed cantina bar. Uh, that is in Hollywood. And I say that because sometimes those of us who live here forget that not everyone knows that. And then you have conversations. You're like, I was down at scum and villainy. And you're like, what is that? Like, were you, <laughs> is it a music store or is it a, like, what is it? So sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt your story, but no, it's, a, it's totally fine. We've, we've done very successful events there. And so now we've decided to do another event uh, that is going to be a ghostbusters night, but this time in the Valley, at a place called Player One, which Player One's a big arcade bar, which uh, I've had multiple events, other events at. And we're taking over that whole establishment, which is much, much larger than Scum and Villainy, so we can put a yeah. lot more people. Uh, and we're going to be doing a whole night of raffles and trivia, 
photo ops and all of our teams will be there. We'll have the Ectos parked out front. And then there's also a giant arcade there filled yes. with pinball and all kinds of really fun stuff. Um, and we're taking that over on Friday, February 24th, uh, which from 6 to 8 p.m., we actually get it, get it uh, for all ages so we can have kids and families come out, which has always been a challenge when you do events right. at an alcohol establishment is trying to be able to allow kids to come. So we have our first two hours is kid friendly. And then after eight o'clock becomes 21 and up. And we have all kinds of themed cocktails that we're designing right now, which is always a lot of fun to design and name. And, and uh, then one of the, one of the cocktails will be a charity cocktail as well. That uh, if you buy the cocktail, the money goes to charity to the starlight foundation and everything for the night um, that we earn, will go to the starlight foundation for the gowns, the gown fundraiser that we're doing right now. And I believe you guys are going to be running trivia again. Yep. Matt will be running trivia again, so you have the ability to win some really cool trivia prizes, and then we'll also have raffles going on with prizes, and so it's all kinds of stuff to to get at the event. I'm going to come down and defend my championship belt. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I actually said this jokingly. I was trying to get people to come. I was like, hey, you should come out to this thing, and they were like, yeah, it's going to be good, and I was like, yeah, it's going to make, if you come, it'll make competition for trivia better. They were like, what? I was like, look, I don't, I'm not denying the fact that I know that you know a lot about Ghostbusters and me telling you to come means it's going to be harder for me to walk out with another championship belt. But um, right. yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I was like jokingly, it's like, I better not play trivia. It's like winning a radio contest. Have you won in the last 30 days? <laughs> yeah, you exactly. can't win again. <laughs> you're, you're the ringer, Jim. You, you show up and... <laughs> take advantage of all these poor folks we have some friends that came to the last party that played trivia and they were like shell-shocked by the end of it (laughs) they were like i don't understand i thought i was a fan but no i'm not i don't know anything i thought i was knew so much about this i thought you were gonna ask about all the movies and i know every line and it's like yeah you you gotta bring your a game because this is some hardcore ghostbusters trivia um, but yep. I, I'm really, really excited because it's going to be a cool opportunity to hang out and player one rocks. Like it's a really cool venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I love scum and villainy too, but, um, like you cannot downplay the fact that like player one has an, an awesome selection of pinball machines. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think like the only doctor who pinball table I've ever actually played in the wild. That's real physical. I oh, played yeah. like the played the table digitally. Like I don't know how many times, but, um, mm-hmm. I think it's the only place I've ever played one physically. So. They were trying really hard to get the Ghostbusters pinball because yeah. the Ghostbusters pinball machine is really awesome. Uh, it's really hard to find. Yeah. To find out. Yeah. There's, uh, like, but then there's Ghostbusters arcade. There's a Ghostbusters arcade game that they're trying to see if they can get on the original, the, the old school data East game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny. Um, that's, so they're trying to see if we can get that for the party. That'd be really cool. I'm going to do a terrible thing now. I'm pronounced Japanese badly. Uh, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure the original title of that game was like Mechu Hunter G and it was just a two player game. And then they added in the yellow character um, to be like, cause it was a red guy and a blue guy, but they were like, yeah. well, we got to have like three ghostbusters. Cause there's the three guys before they meet Winston. So they made a yellow character and named him Egon, but like that's entirely uh-huh. another game, I guess in Japan before they made it huh. Ghostbusters because they just kind of rebranded something that already existed, which is kind of strange, but that's crazy. That's all fun facts, everybody. Let's just go down a completely <laughs> different deep dive of non Ghostbusters content. Uh, that's also the story with Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, Super, oh, really? Super Mario Brothers 2 in the United States is a originally was released in Japan as a Famicom game called Doki Doki Panic, and it had nothing to do with Mario at all. And do you remember when we were like kids, they came out with a game called Super Mario Brothers The Lost Levels? For Super Nintendo. Yes. 
Oh was, yeah. So the Lost yeah. Levels was the original Super Mario Brothers two in Japan, but when they began oh. to like market it in the U.S., it was so damn hard that they were like, "Uh, people are gonna hate this thing." So they basically held on to it, didn't release it here, and then gave us this completely different game where you pull radishes out of the ground and <laughs> go through huh. go through doors into Nightmare World and stuff. That you're like, why is this Super Mario Brothers? Right. <laughs> yeah. Are you excited for the new movie? Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie? I'm yes. not sure how I feel about it. Um, but <laughs> I will say this. I'm glad you asked this question for this reason because it gives me an opportunity to talk about Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> have, you, have you seen the trailer or the little teaser commercial they did for the movie that's a, uh, a plumber's commercial? Yes. It's brilliant. Absolutely. Like, I, I was not really into this movie at all. I was like, ooh, Chris Pratt as Mario, as an Italian and a New Yorker. I'm fucking offended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I have to say that I watched the trailer, and what's brilliant about it is it's a commercial for them as plumbers, and it's a rap, right? That's to the yep. tune of the original doot, 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 right? Yep. Like, which. To be real, like that's been done, right? Like Captain Lou Albano did that. Swing your arms from side to side. Sure. Come on, let's go. It's time to do the Mario. Like, but <laughs> this is a rap for their business. And I messaged somebody I know and I was like, this is brilliant. And they were like, why? And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's just something about out of turning like your theme song into a jingle that lets you easily market your film and film franchise to everybody. And then I just sent them a picture of Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> and I was just like, this is the same thing, right? Like if, right. They, if they can make this stick at a viral level, if they have like different rap artists out there remixing this track, right? We're like doing music with it and making the Super Mario Brothers plumber commercial rap. You, yeah, dude, this could totally be like your own version of Ghostbusters, the theme song, but applied to the Super right. Mario Bros. And it totally made me watch, want to watch the movie. I was like, now I want to watch it just because like somebody has that used their brain enough to go, hey, how do we market this? Let's do the same thing. Let's kind of make a fake. Right. And like, that's what Ghostbusters did, right? There were all these fake commercials for Ghostbusters and phone yep. numbers to call. Um, you know, 800 numbers you can call during the hype of the marketing of that movie. And it's what helped to like drive and make that more than just like, Hey, it's a one-off picture, but instead, no, it's a brand, right? Like, right. so I hats off to them, whoever made that commercial. Cause that thing's genius. Um, and I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I but agree. I also want to see like the soup Mario land that like they're doing mm. at universal, but I am a fat human it opened being. today, I think. Yeah. Today's a grand opening. My understanding is that fat human beings like me are having problems fitting in the Mario Kart ride. <laughs> that they designed oh, it for like a 40 inch waist or something. And um, heavy, heavier people are having a difficult time getting into the carts during preview. So I, I don't mm. know. Like, I don't I wanna... know. A couple of our members went to it already. Yeah. Uh, and one of our members works at Universal. Nice. And they've gotten to experience it and said it was cool. I but I'm not sure about that. One of our members went. He weighs like 400 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He had no problems. He fit. <laughs> He's as big as a house. He just He's took, a 38. He just took two carts and strapped them together just like his ammo belt. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anybody, anybody who's listening out there right now who's like, hey, I string together two ammo belts. I understand. I, I I don't, but I definitely push mine to capacity and think about it. And I just <laughs> talked two weeks ago how excited I am that, uh, you know, uh, what's it called? The company that makes all the clothing that we buy, uh, Magnolia Clothiers, is making uh, ammo belts now up to like waist size fifty two. And I was like, hell yeah! Oh. 
Um, get nice. fat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back anymore. <laughs> There's no reason. The only reasons to hold back before was because of your ammo belt. They make flight suits right. that go all the way up to 5X. <laughs> so awesome don't really do that <laughs> don't drink so much ecto cooler that you get diabetes um and then you know can't go out to camp to do things because your foot's falling off and why am i talking about this yeah um, it's taking a dark turn <laughs> every anyway, week on the Extraplasm podcast we try to avoid the dark cave of solace and sadness that is uh jim's brain diabetes um, <laughs> <and> diabetes <laughs> That is diabetes. <laughs> yeah, so don't don't do that, but do come out to the arcade if you're in the LA area uh, on the 24th because yes, um, there will be great drinks and there will be great games and there might be a Ghostbusters arcade game. Which when was the last time you played that standing up, uh, not right. just like sitting on a console with a controller? Uh, and like I said, there's an amazing pinball selection. The LA Ghostbusters will be there. The Ecto ones of the LA Ghostbusters will be there, although not a 59 millimeter because mm-hmm. that's not a thing that you have yet. But um, I so it's on our to do list yet because everybody's <laughs> going to get one eventually. Right. Um, right. <laughs> there actually is a guy uh, on eBay who is in the he's an orange and mm. I don't know who he is, but he had a 60, I think, or maybe it was a 59 millimeter and he wanted like one hundred and twenty three thousand dollars for it. Um, <clears throat> and it was completely unrestored. Yeah, like, I, I no. think I remember seeing that. I was like, mm. <laughs> this is why I'm never going to have one of these. And not higher than 117. <laughs> <laughs> I but I'll ask you this just for fun. Uh, given the cost of trying to, like, replicate that car. If if you were a person and you were, like, making a Ghostbusters movie, and you're trying to do it on a low budget. Right. What car mm-hmm. would you pick? If I made my own Ecto, yeah, like, like out of any car, no, it's like, like, or, it, but I'm saying, like, let's say you were working on a Ghostbusters project, you actually had to make this thing canon, oh. right? Like in a Ghostbusters universe, and you're not right. going to go get a 59 millimeter at this point, right? Like, no reasonable production other than like, the actual Ghostbusters production would do that, right? Right, right. So, what would you pick? I have, I don't, I have to be honest, I don't know anything about cars, like, I just, like, I'm not a I have no idea. I just keep thinking that like if I were if I were starting the Ghostbusters like tomorrow, right? It would be like mm-hmm. a fleet of Honda Civics. <laughs> just be like the most easy I feel like to maintain it would be, like Toyota Corollas. <laughs> it would have like it was kind of funny because yesterday I was driving around and I saw this like big, weird looking van that was looked like a big like sausage tube. <laughs> and it had all the rounded windows. Wait, are you talking like, about the oh, Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile? No, no. <laughs> Oh, I have seen that one, but, but I feel like, like you would have to have a larger vehicle. It need to fit all the equipment, you know, proton yeah. packs are big. You need to have something that's large enough to fit all that kind of a stuff. Sprinter van. So like, yeah, you'd want a big, or like how they made the Ecto RV in the comic series. Yeah. I thought it was really smart where it's like, oh, we can travel around and we can have a containment unit in the RV. And I, th- I think that'd be more practical than, um, than a smaller vehicle that could only fit one proton pack in it. That's fair. Unless they made the vehicles that could like do like fun cartoon stuff where it's like, oh, and then two vehicles connect together and can you know, have a super proton <laughs> cannon. We play a lot of Legos in our house. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at right now. We have all of these Legos that we built to play Ghostbusters. We have all the Ghostbuster Legos, of course, the firehouse and the Ecto. Yeah, and stuff. yeah. But my son and I build all these other 
Lego. So we have an Ecto helicopter, we have an Ecto boat, which has a giant proton cannon on the front of the boat. We have an Ecto mech, an Ecto bot, like an Ecto robot that does all this different stuff. Uh, so it's it would have been really kind of weird if like imagine a world of ghostbusters where you got to the end of the movie and they're about to fight the stay puff marshmallow man and each of the ghostbusters runs to their car and they're like take the form of ghost hunter zord (laughs) (laughs) and and they all drive into each other and form a giant robot and it's just a fist fight between Save Up Marshmallow Man and a Ghostbusters like Zord it's, from Power Rangers. It's the, ec- it's the Ectotron. When you get it the is. Ectotron. It kind of is. Um, well, and I mean, hopefully that's not a spoiler for, for the new movie. Yeah, hopefully that's what's going no on. The new movie is totally giant, uh, <laughs> giant mechs that show up and all the Ghostbusters connect. Yeah, that's why they're producing thing. over in the UK. <laughs> they couldn't find studio space big enough to erect all of the actual life size ghost fighting mechs uh, right. in this yeah, film. Exactly. Um, look, I know we're joking we about this, but I, if there were ghost fighting mechs, I'd watch that at least once. <laughs> well, and I kind of feel like that was the vibe they wanted for the other, the animated series they were pitching yeah. in 2016, you know, Ecto Force, where it was in the future and all the technology was more advanced and superior. And that, that would have been the ghost, ghost mech right. you know, type of show. What happened sure. with that project in the end? Just didn't, just died or? Well, I think the. When 2016, you know, when Answer the Call didn't succeed the way they wanted to, I think every Ghostbuster project died at that point. <laughs> um, and so that was one of them that got that got axed. Yeah. Then we have a new Ghostbuster animated series coming out now, which hasn't, you know, we don't know exactly what it's about yet. But right. um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I mean, we have a lot of Ghostbusters content coming. Oh, my God. A deluge yes. of content. As I say every week at this point, it's the busiest time in Ghostbusting ever. There's more in production now yep. than there ever was in 1989. Also, I yep. say it like a knockoff of uh, Don Pardo, apparently. John Lovitz. <laughs> Julia <laughs> Louis-Dreyfus. I don't, I don't know. Exactly. Whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway. But but now it's going to be hard to keep up soon because there's going to be so much. And it's all in universe, right? Yeah. The, the new comics and the new movie and the new animated movie and the new animated series. Right. Uh, and the games. You know, well, that's so like I keep joking about this at, at a level with like even extraplasm of like, what what is there to talk about this week? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Somebody said to me the other day, like, you didn't put out an episode for almost like two weeks. And I was like, yeah, what did I miss? <laughs> they were right. like, nothing is like, right. Like there's this, this is a lull. This is a period where right. there's not a lot of new stuff unless you want to talk about um, a video game that is putting out a lot of content because that Spirits Unleashed game is, you know, like dropping new stuff every few weeks and has dev streams and things. But other than that, it's kind of like we're in the uh, lead up. We're in the build up to everything. And I feel like we're going to mm-hmm. get to the end of the year and it's just going to be like, uh, like a bomb is going to get dropped of ectoplasm on, right. <laughs> on the entire fandom of like, it's- Oh my God. <laughs> so, well, everything is about, you know, cinematic shared universes now. So right. we're going to get everything across the board, but hopefully everything does well enough to where they're not like, this was a terrible mistake. Why did we, Yeah. <laughs> why do we make too many things? Even and, Disney now is dialing back on Marvel. They announced that all the new Marvel series, they're like, we put out too many new Marvel series. We need to put out less series a year. Yeah. So they announced they're doing that, you know, putting out less, less Marvel shows. I will admit, um, I burned out a bit on Marvel stuff a while back. Um, I well, probably, that's, l- that's blasphemy. I think the last Marvel, 
like I don't hate it, but like the last Marvel show I watched, I think was Loki. I think I gave up after that on like my, on Netflix shows on Marvel. But part of that has to do with the pandemic. I just was like Loki was the first show I watched like probably since like we, when the pandemic started. I watched was the first Marvel thing I kind of went to because I could mm-hmm. be in it. And because it wasn't reflexive of our actual reality, I could deal with it. But like there was a mm-hmm. point where during the height of the pandemic, sure. I couldn't watch like a Marvel movie and be like watching the version of our world that didn't have a pandemic in it. It just wouldn't work for me. Like, right. So sure. Loki was great because like it existed in all of these alternate realities that I didn't have to worry about any sort of consistency with our ongoing situation. And I think that's part of why. But like, I do think that part of the other reason, too, is just like I get to a point of being overwhelmed. And I remember feeling this way about when I was a kid. I never was a huge comic book fan who collected comics. But if somebody else had them around, I would sit there and read them for hours. So Mm. it was like my brother collected comics, my friends collected comics. I'd go to their houses and just like sit in a chair, play video games, hang out and read graphic novels from end to end. And I think that like, that's what I like about comic books is my ability to sort of come in and walk away from them. Whereas I feel like the Marvel cinematic universe became something where you needed to be part of every single event in order to be understand what was happening overall. That makes sense. And yep. I don't know. I don't want Ghostbusters to be there. If that's what we're getting, if that's what I'm trying to get at is I want the ability for somebody to still walk into a Ghostbusters movie and not feel like they need to have done, you know, all the prior reading to this point. Um, because oh no screw that person they need to they need to keep up they need to do their homework <laughs> if you haven't read every issue of the idw comic book then you're out of luck Sorry. hey print is dead I, <laughs> it's canon <laughs> it's, it's so good but no i'm 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 the opposite with marvel i'm like plug it straight into my veins i already saw quantumania the Fair very enough. first screening i possibly wow. could and I'm, I'm like hard but i was a big comic book kid i what, collected what I collected did you think since since you've, you've already seen quantumania of quantumania yeah. i loved it I had a blast. We had an absolute blast. So it's not. I it was great. What What did you think of um, Peter Venkman in the world of, uh, of the psychic? Because <laughs> every poster I saw, the poster that had him on it, his white hair from Quantumania. Yes. Every yeah. time I saw it, I was like, this is like they're rebooting world of the psychic. This is exactly the imagery I would have used. <laughs> I mean, he's great. You know, he's he's top form. Bill Murray. You know, which was wonderful because you kind of worry about some of the roles where he's just kind of shows up and, yeah. you know, it doesn't, you know, just does the job. But uh, no, he got into it. He was having fun. That's so. great. He did. It was great. I was a little worried, yeah. I'll admit, about the extent to which he would be able to carry, not because he's not capable, but whether or not he would carry a villain role uh, particularly mm. well, you know. So, yeah. Well, and it's not like it's, you know, it's not his movie. Right. So it's it's definitely like he he's got his his part, but um, but it's it's, it's really fun, more but, Kang's uh, movie, right? Is that is that am I wrong about yes, that? Yes, it's definitely yeah. more. It's definitely more Kang's movie. It's it's definitely more Janet's movie. Gotcha. It's uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is definitely the. It's it's mainly her movie, which is great because she's getting to see her back in top form again is awesome. Nice. I will definitely see it eventually. I'm sure that I will. I just I it's not that I'm like Marvel movies are bad. They're not. Um, right. I don't take that stance where I'm like, no, there shouldn't be Marvel movies. They're terrible. And um, I honestly think that like, you know, I was really excited to hear that Ivan Reitman had consulted on the Spider-Verse movie uh, because mm-hmm. and like he, you know, even if it was like informal consulting, the people who made that movie talked about the value of his consultation openly in public. They were like, hey, he looked at our movie oh, yeah. and he told us like, this is what you got to do to make this work. And 
to me, like that's getting, you know, what he wanted to get done with like with a movie like Heavy Metal, um, mm-hmm. like that he that his influence on that Spider Verse movie might spin backwards into Ghostbusters. Like I would like to see a version of um, Spider Verse style movie that's done Ghostbusters wise. So sure, know, that would be kind they of they did it in the comics. Yeah. So and that would be OK. Like that would be if they did that, it would like like what's weird to think about is like everybody's OK with Miles Morales. Like, I don't maybe right. I'm wrong about that. Maybe like I, there are people out there who are like, no, it's wrong. But like, I, it seems like we've come to a point where that Spider-Verse movie kicked off an understanding of a multiverse for Spider-Man that was OK. And I, I get it. Like, we've already done that in Marvel movies to some extent where it's like there's a multiverse. And, you know, the DC, mm-hmm. if you've seen the Flash trailer, like obviously DC is doing the same thing of like, let's go to another reality. Um, yep. But. I, so I think overall, like fans have become more palatable to that notion that there can be more one version, more than one version of the character, as long as you do the fan service of including enough of them. But um, I would like to see that in Ghostbusters because our franchise has been so. Uh, how do I put this without sounding like consistent? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's not the adjective I was going to use, but it's not an incorrect one either. (laughs) Well, and I think with the with the addition of all of these new avenues for Ghostbusters, you know, like the comic and the animation, especially especially the animation, it really opens up the idea of the world expanding. I will say I I feel like that's still a ways off for me. Like I wouldn't want to see in the next live action movie yeah oh we open a dimensional rift and right and then answer the call steps through or, or <laughs> you know the real ghostbusters or the extreme ghostbusters like i i feel like it, it did work well in the comics when they did that right in the idw comics where they opened the rift and they all work together and that you know and then it's like ninja turtles show up and uh, <laughs> and that also happens but it's <laughs> and then uh, that rift goes to a lot of different narrative universes <laughs> yeah, a lot and of then the get along gang and, and the shirt tails are there and, <laughs> yeah, right. and that's and for those of you who are like get along gang yeah i just did that that's a deep cut that, that happened, no. <laughs> um, but yeah no i i i've said this i would like to see i would be okay with the movie that has them uh have a cross rip inside the firehouse and they never leave mm-hmm. the firehouse but i'm not you're but i'm not ready to do like hey let's do multiverse from it like, I would like to see, right. like, hey, let's spend a lot of time in the ghost world, you know, whatever that right. looks like, or transitioning between the firehouse and the ghost world, such that we spend a lot of our movie almost like a bottle show um, right. inside this one place. I would totally be OK with that. You know, it's like I'm not I don't I don't need them to go run out somewhere else to go do the ghost busting. And if that were this, yep. the story they told was like, hey, the containment unit's been rotting away and. Um, you know, wasn't properly shut down 30 years ago or something. And as a result, now there's a growing, you know, like rift yep. in there. I would be totally cool with that. Um, but I think you're right. Like, I would think it would be a lot to suddenly throw in. Now let's also throw in other teams. And I think if I were going right. to do it, and this is just like between you and me spitballing on a podcast, like this is nobody's real <laughs> idea. Um, <laughs> I'm also the mindset that you bring in like a completely different, if you were going to do an alternate reality in that way, you just bring in a completely different team. Like you don't try to do like extreme or right. real. You just you start, Hey, here's an alternate set of ghostbusters with their own personalities. And like, maybe some of those personalities are influenced by the canon that we know already from these different media. But like, right. I don't like to be, this is not to put down the stream ghostbusters, but like, I don't really need to see Kylie Griffin in a movie. Like I just don't, 
I, I, I give me another character right. that is of the same vein of Kylie Griffin, but I almost don't want them to ever try and take those cartoon characters and make them right. into live action because it will just weird it up, you know, but though the ghosts are cool. Yeah. Like the bug eye. And, That's and, totally fine. And afterlife was totally cool. Yeah. Which you could, if you did the ghost world, you could do a lot. With, oh my God. You could bring back all the, you could get like, like, I would love to pitch a Sam Hain movie. I would love to see a scene where they have you know? to go and bust a ghost in a, in a bathroom and it's like granny ghost. <laughs> like, and she's using the, the fearsome using flush. The fearsome flush. <laughs> yeah. It's like granny ghost, granny ghost in the bathroom of fearsome flush. And they're, uh, you know, they have to go in there and fight them as a duo. That would be great. Like that. But that's the point is that you can take these characters right. that are like not people characters, you know, and that you yep. don't have an attachment to as being a particular uh, voice actor or particular persona and right. use them. And like Bug Eye is a great example of a ghost that like, I never thought you were going to see that in a movie. When they, they did that, it was like, oh my God, that's so cool. You took a toy from my childhood and put it in this. And for me, that was kind of like, uh, some people will get upset when I'm going to reference this now, but like when mass, when Kevin Smith did masters of the universe, uh, mm. I freaked out when I saw the attorney of playset animated. Like we, oh, yeah. they never made the attorney of playset in the television show when we were kids. Right. Right. That wasn't a thing. Like it wasn't attorney of the playset in its form that it existed and was just the thing that existed as a playset. When they made this new animated series, they go to the playset. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like the afterlife of Eternia. And <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, like losing my mind watching it because it's the playset. But if they had turned around and brought in like, here's the 1983 version of He-Man with filmation graphics and voiced by the same guy. Like, right. well, this is clashes terribly and I don't want it. You know, it's kind of like watching Who Framed right. Roger Rabbit, um, except that's good and clashes in all the ways it should. <laughs> but, I remember when we were, we were doing the video game, we were doing scare and, you know, I got the breakdowns over and bug eye was in it. And I was like, Oh shit. Bug-Eye's <laughs> and then, because in the script, in the script, it was it was just like there were all these ghosts, but it wasn't as specific. And then getting to actually see Bug Eye was it was awesome. Yeah, like how that because they had to send us clips on how the ghosts worked. So right. it'd be like, here's a clip, here's Bug Eye's clip, and it'd be like, oh crap, this is amazing. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about you um, when I was at the uh, there was that screening they did on Big Head Clubs, like NFT thing with Jason Reitman and Gil Kenny. Mm, yeah, and. <laughs> he was like, you know, I think that some people know that Janine's part was a lot larger in the original cut. <laughs> and I wanted to be like, yeah, I know somebody who knows that really well. <laughs> like, because they had all this stuff and they had to figure out how to write a story around this for a video game. <laughs> but yeah, that is true. Um, I imagine that you have seen lots of things that none of us ever will. So, you know, it's. I mean, I, you always hope. I, I feel like now, especially, they hold this content back so much so they can keep releasing. Every new disc yeah. release will have, well, this has some extra deleted scenes. Right. And this has, I mean, even the last 4K versions of Ghostbusters, like, here's all new stuff that you right. never got to see. It's like, oh, man. So they can drag that out forever. Yeah. And we were uh, talking about this. Derek Osborne and I were talking about this a few episodes ago that, like, um, I hadn't realized that, like, Ghostbusters was one of the first Criterion Collection laser discs. Like mm. like 1985 or something or 19, 1989, I think, is the Criterion release of it, like right before Ghostbusters 2. And it's oh, like wow. they didn't like before that they weren't really archiving a lot of this stuff for like public uh, use. Right. So 
mm-hmm. now when you think about how much like even storyboards, um, all that kind of stuff is all saved. And not only is it saved because it's like it's not physical, like a lot of it is right. digital to begin with. So it's like, hey, where are we going to warehouse this? And it's like on this jump drive that looks like my little pony because <laughs> like, right. yeah, exactly. it's just ones and zeros and it doesn't matter. Whereas before all of that would have been warehouse space, you know, like when they made those made Ghostbusters in like 84 or 83 mm-hmm. when they're doing production, it's like, well, where are we going to keep all this shit? So, well, they, yeah. one of our good friends is the archivist at Paramount. Nice. And every now and then she'll be like, oh yeah, I'm going through Friday the 13th, you know, digitizing all of the original set photography and like, look at all this stuff that you never got to see. And uh, it's, it's crazy. The amount of stuff that still does exist from that. Uh, which I think Jason Reitman even made the comment when he was doing Afterlife that they went back through some of the archives yeah. and the old boxes. Right. And that's where they pulled like the deleted scene with uh, Egon and Janine and everything at the end and like pulled some of the old footage and stuff. But I, I actually got to do a few years back. I helped a friend of mine who made the book on the, the making of the Lost Boys. Gotcha. Which was this big visual history of the Lost Boys. And we met up with the set photographer who shot all the set photography for the lost boys. And she's like, Oh, well I still have all the slides and all the, the negatives. If you want to come over to my house and scan it, you're welcome to have whatever you want. And so I literally went and spent a week at her house scanning all the negatives of every set photo from the lost boys nice. movie, which there were over 10,000 of them. <laughs> so that took, took a while. A yeah. But from it, he actually went and recreated the deleted scenes from the original script, because he had a copy oh, of the original wow. script, and then we had all the photos, and so he recreated in the book the deleted scenes that don't exist anymore. That's why uh, from the pictures, which is yeah, which is really cool. Um, I so, see. but a lot, of, yeah, that stuff now is all digital. I so. just wish I'm at a point where like I wish Sony would do this, and I've, I've Eric Reich, if you're listening, I don't think you are because huh. I imagine you're on a film set and you have way better things to do than listen to this freaking podcast. But um, anybody consumer, anybody who's in the consumer products division at Sony. Um, give me a book, like give me a book that just has like the unused script material or the draft scripts. And so many of these behind the scenes, like photos that exist now. Mm-hmm. And like, let me put that on my coffee, ba- my, you know, on my coffee t- table, huh. or I was going to say my coffee shelf, which is not, there's a bookshelf and there's a coffee yeah. table, but there's huh. not a coffee shelf coffee and there's shelf. not really a book table, but, um, right. <laughs> Somebody out there right now is like, I know what I'm inventing for room and board. Um, (laughs) But uh, I think that would be such a cool opportunity to look over the course of like the history. Like we have like the visual history book, you know, Ghostbusters, which is a Mm -hmm. great book. But having like a visual history of that, which was not produced to me would be so neat. It would just be like a cool like coffee table book to be able to flip through and see like all these alternate designs for things and script pages that were lost and then commentary that you could put alongside that and be like, well, why was this cut? You know, what was the decision and why did that happen? I would buy that book for sure. Like there's not a question in my mind and I don't know why they don't do that, but right. I would love to see it, you know, and like we talked about something like a lost boys book where you're scanning this many images. It's like, that would be a perfect opportunity to do the same thing with ghostbusters. And with a movie like afterlife, you probably don't even need to scan anything because it's all digital. So, right. Well, when we were doing the game, they, they sent me, I think, 18,000 set photos to look at. Right. For references. Like, there's no but they were shortage. All on a know. website. Right. But it's no shortage of stuff that exists. So oh, yeah. It's like they could put out an item like that. They could put out a script collection book. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to keep saying it until we get it. 
But I, there'll be a battle. Which will we get first? The script collection book that I want or the 1 to 12 scale Ecto-1 that I can put my Plasma series and fi- Maddie Collector figures in with? I'm never getting. But um, mm. it seems like I cannot have that. But whatever it is what it is. Yeah, actually, for the Lost Boys, we went. I went to one of the art department guys' houses and he had also done Ghostbusters and had given a bunch of stuff for that book. For that visual reference. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I was going through my Ghostbusters stuff and now I went through my Lost Boys stuff. And I was like, oh, well, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I would love to see another book like that. And that's not to like put down any other book that's been released, but uh, I probably, I bought the cookbook. The cookbook's fine, but um, my, my reference books get more use than my cookbook does. And that's probably always going to mm. be true. The cookbook is kind of a fun piece to look at and go, isn't this neat? Um, sure. Whereas I would probably get more out of the other stuff and use it on a regular basis in discussions. So um, this week I'm not going to though. I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but I've developed a new bad habit on this podcast of having an unanswered question and then forcing everybody to listen while I go get a book. Uh (laughs) But what they don't know is that I edit that down substantially. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's happened the last few weeks of like, what's the answer to this question? And I have to go to the bookshelf because it's, it's still early. Yeah, it's, it's, we got time. Find the question to yeah. ask that requires making everybody wait while I go to the go to the books, and then I'll have to come huh. with an audio sting for that. If it happens enough times, I'll have to get like some make a rap about it, like going to the library, finding the gray lady, and the answers. I don't. That's right. It's, it's not going to be that. It's a good stuff. Someone listening out there, oh. you can take that, cut that, put it to a beat, make a song out of it, send it back. Make my life easier. Jimdangle.com. Yeah. <laughs> Jimdango.com for all of your research needs. Um, yeah. <clears throat> no, we're not. And your commercial beats. Yes. Um, we'll be <laughs> saving the day. Uh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> we're ready to believe we've got the rhetorical strategies to sell your product. Um, I stop if I need to. It's getting close. It's almost there. Need <laughs> to be stopped before it becomes a problem. Um, so aside from the event of player one on the 24th, uh, which everybody who's in the area should totally come to, I'm going to be there. Um, so if you're like, if you ever wanted to meet a podcast celebrity, I'm not one. So don't come to that (laughs) event for that reason. Or if you just were like, Hey, this guy drives me crazy. And all I ever want to do is walk up to him and be like, Hey, your podcast sucks. Um, don't do that either. Cause I don't want my night ruined. (laughs) But if you want to look at me from afar while thinking about it, um, I'll be at player one for this event on the 24th with uh, the LA Ghostbusters. Yes. Trying to manhandle the trivia once again to <laughs> see if I can bring more large objects home that I have to find spaces for on my wall that I treat like championship belts. Having a having a pinball tournament of some kind. Uh, at my house or at or at, at no, player, at player one. one. Oh, I mean, I could do it at my house with the virtual pinball. I thought you meant for a second. I was like, oh, what? Yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> but yeah, no, I if, I if there's a pinball tournament that night, if we like do one, I'll totally do that. That will be a thing. We I'll, should we should set that up. We'll yeah, we talk should. about it. We should. That would be good. Um, and they, I, they just got Guardians of the Galaxy pinball. That's nice. I haven't played that yet. Um, that would be cool. It's hard. You've heard it's a hard one, but I've heard it's really good. So yeah. Um. Um. But no, we're doing, yeah, we're doing that event uh, on Friday the 24th. And then after that, LA Ghostbusters will be at WonderCon, yeah. which is the big uh, convention in Los Angeles on March 24th, 25th, 26th. Is it LA? We'll this, be there. Is it LA or Anaheim? It's Anaheim. Gotcha. Sorry. It's all good. It all blends together. <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, we'll be at WonderCon. And then after that, on April 15th, we're going to be at the Chatsworth Blockfest in the San Fernando Valley. In beautiful California's San beautiful Valley. San Fernando Valley. Sorry. It's, it's obligatory. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be a huge outdoor uh, carnival event uh, that we'll be at, have the cars. And there's a big Comic Con they have there as well with a bunch of celebrities and autographs. I'll, and I'll throw this wrestling. out there too. Look, if you need another reason to come to Chatsworth and you're a Cobra Kai fan. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. You can just do a location tour, like <laughs> driving within like 10 miles of where you're having an event, I imagine, because so much of it is right there. It's so weird. Oh, they sh- yeah, they shoot a ton of stuff here. Yeah, um, for sure. Because, you know, like Reseda is next door and it's where mm-hmm. Daniel that's where Daniel son lives um, in the original movie. And I, the, where does he live in the new stuff? Do you know like what neighborhood he's supposed to live in? I actually haven't watched it. Oh. I've been too busy watching the Mighty Ducks series Dude. instead. If you're going to, I will say this, if you're going to watch Cobra Kai, like you could watch the entire series and that's fine. But the last season, Johnny Lawrence, uh, not Johnny Lawrence. Uh, so it's like Sensei John Kreese has come back in the past, but this mm-hmm. time like Terry Silver came back at the end of season four and he like tries to restore Cobra Kai and like season five and runs at the Terry Silver way. And it is just bananas. Stupid. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious. And I loved watching it because of how dumb it was. But I'm going to like paraphrase somebody who was on this podcast because they have the most accurate description of what that show is that I've ever heard. Craig Goldberg from Yes Have Some was on this podcast like, oh, God, like episode seven or something. And we were talking about this show and he said, you know what it is, right? And I said, what? And he said, it's Power Rangers for adults. And I was like, holy shit, it totally is. Because like the entire plot of the movie is like or, or these shows is. It's about saving dojos that would teach kids to do harmful things like saving <laughs> L.A. youth centers. And then right. like the last episodes are like literally entire team fights, you know, of like teens fighting teens to stop evil. And it's it is without question. That's funny. Like a version of Power Rangers that has been created for Karate Kid <laughs> fans in their 40s. It's so bizarre. Um, and I don't think they're doing any more of it, but uh I, I would definitely, if you haven't watched it, it's worth your time. That's it, awesome. It'll make you, if yeah. nothing else, you will go, I can't believe they're doing this. And then right. after they do it, you'll go, I can't believe they did that. It's so stupid, but you'll also love it because it's just right. Yeah. It's on my list for sure. So yeah, come to Chatsworth, come to the, um, come to the Chatsworth block fest, check out the LA ghostbusters there. Um, that's an outdoor event, which it is outdoors. Yep. Uh, so you Be can a lot of fun. come and do that outside and bring your kids and, um, yep. Lots of costume characters and people and stuff walking around at that event, I believe. So, absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, I was trying to think about Chatsworth. I was like, there was an arcade in Chatsworth for a brief period of time. It was like, pay $10 and you could go in and just play all you wanted. It's neon Retro. Some no, of our friends own that. It's, it's not. It's not Neon Retro. It's a, a different one. It was, oh. There was another guy before, ne- at the same time Neon Retro was running, there was another guy. We ended up running for this is like for those of you listening to the podcast, oh. you're like, wow, the way to get narrow. But like he actually ran for office on like the Chamber of Commerce down there because his business got run out because he was in an industrial or commercial zone, but running like a family. Youth yeah, it was like center. Randy's Arcade or something. Yeah, I can't remember what it was, it was in called. a warehouse. Yeah, it was in it was in a warehouse and it was dope. Yep. It was like five dollars. I 100 percent remember <laughs> that. So you wanted something really funny then? Yeah, I'm on the Chamber of Commerce and I'm on the board of the Chamber of Commerce. Like, That's like, I just awesome. got this whole 
certificate from the legislature and everything. Yeah, so it's like you. Abysmal's on the board. It's you are the one who ruined the arcade. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's a shame. I liked that place a lot. It was really cool. Yeah, he didn't survive. the. He tried to move to a mall. He was actually trying to move yeah. over to the to, to the uh, Topanga Village Mall in some of the mm. old mall space. And like then the pandemic hit and it was just boom. It was just. Over. Yeah, I, I remember when they had the signs up for him moving into that mall. Yeah. So uh, I was excited about it because I, I got to go there a few times and it was like it was awesome. You paid like five, ten bucks. Yeah. You came in and it was like you can play for three or four hours. Just everything was on free play. It was the dopest thing. Um, yeah, it was, it was like a that low, was a cool place. A low budget Dave and Buster's had no food. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it was like an arcade. It was like an old school, like you know, nineties oh, yeah. arcade. Everything was there. It was great. So, um, so since you can't go to that, come out on April fifteenth instead and come to the Chatsworth Blockfest and come to yes. Player One uh, in February and play some pinball. There's lots happening. Games. Lots going on. Yeah. Um, I, WonderCon is awesome. I actually didn't go to WonderCon. Now I'm like, I forgot about it. I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm out of town. I want to uh, shoot in uh, where am I? Richmond, Virginia, that week. So I won't be here for WonderCon, unfortunately. I feel like I'm never gonna go to San Diego Comic Con. Like personally, I've never been, and I yeah. I don't have anything against people who go to it, but it's just the intensity and the crowd size and everything about it is a bit much for. Uh, I usually have a know. booth there every year. Do you? Like, well, I have a booth for my company, Abysmal, every year. Yeah. I, I haven't decided whether we're doing it or not this summer because now our focus is on the movie. Right. And we're going to build out a whole new booth for the movie to start doing Comic Cons for Isla Monstro, um, which is cool because we're building a whole tiki bar. And, right. Uh, That's awesome. A neat, a neat setup. But um, since we're not going to be far enough along, I don't know if it's worth it to spend because it is quite expensive to, oh, yeah. to do those, those events. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it is. It is a lot, especially like now that the pandemic's kind of over. Um, this past year was very weird in San Diego, but it's it's getting bigger and bigger. I mean, New York was record breaking numbers. That right. insane. Uh, but yeah, San Diego is always it's like a triathlon, an Ironman competition trying to survive those yeah. five days. <laughs> well, and I, it's not really like the thing about WonderCon that I think is a little different is it's like WonderCon still feels to me like it's got um, a bit of a focus to it. And then it's kind of animated mm-hmm. driven, you know, it's not, it's not entirely animated driven, but a lot of the content creation that comes out of, or the, a lot of the content creators who go to it, a lot of the appearances of people who come are a lot of voice actors and stuff. And so, right. and of course it's like right next to Disney. So there's a lot of, you know, Disney influence that happens with WonderCon as well. But I feel like it's stayed, it's stayed at, in an ontology that's like focused on, a particular art form in a way, if that makes sense. Whereas like sure. Comic-Con is not Comic-Con. It should be called San Diego culture con because right. it's everything at this point. It's not comics. Oh, it's totally. just every, like a television shows, movies, comic books, it's harder toy to companies get comics there now. Yeah. No, like, I agree. Like that's <laughs> like, you don't, that, like, it's part of the reason why it's like, I could go to that, but I don't know that it's for me because it's just a lot of intensity to be like, Cool. There's every IP under the sun here at once. And it's kind of a weird thing to think about, but it's like I'm interested to see whether or not Sony is going to do another Ecto Fest this year or a Ghostbusters Day event on the lot because they've made this choice in the past to not attend Comic-Con and not bring Ghostbusters to Comic-Con and then to have their own event on the lot instead. So um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what what Sony does in June 
because we right. are like, what the, is this? Is this the year the 40th anniversary? Is that or is it next year? Is next year? I'm losing my mind. 84 next year. Right. So 80. Yes, next so year. <clears throat> 2024 will be the 40th anniversary of Ghostbusters. So I imagine they'll do something that year, but I'm kind of interested to see whether or not they're going to show up at Comic-Con or WonderCon or anything this year, given that they have so much animated stuff in the pipeline. Right. Well, and I definitely feel like because they talked about doing Ecto Fest annually now. Yeah. And that's if they keep it consistent, that'll be their big press event where they can, you know, show new trailers and launch new projects. And I mean, they have right. so many projects now to launch. I'm curious if that if that does continue to become their kickoff point, like their own mini D23. Right. For Ghostbusters. Um, and I mean, I think that would be smart because for them, it's still just it's just a, a press event. Right. That they invite the franchises to as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do that again. I mean, I think they will, especially because they can announce. They have a lot of new stuff that they can release and yeah. announce as well. And then all the new licenses, like imagine the licenses that are going on right now. The licensing expo is in May, I think. Well, and uh, what's also changed, the licensing expo is in May and Toy Fair has moved. So mm. that's a weird thing to consider that like Toy Fair used to be in February. And so like right. right now would be like, this is usually the weekend of toy fair pre pandemic is like the second or third weekend of February. But my understanding is that the toy fair has now moved to September's. So like oh, okay. they've pushed it back several months after the licensing fair, which is kind right. of an interesting thing to think about because it means that like the licensing fair and the announcement of who's getting licenses and the jockeying and the networking for those things is happening. And then the toy, the toy releases are going to come out after it rather than vice versa. So, right. or where you, where your licensing deal has to be hammered out much further in advance to announce it at a convention, you know, or something on those lines. Right. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm interested to see how Sony plays with all of this. And I just wondered what you thought about that in terms of, you know, I mean, we're kind of talking about it already, but um you know what, what I would think, think they continue doing Ectofest because it doesn't it doesn't cost them hardly anything to do that. You know, it's a great marketing ploy to get all the franchises to help promote. And um, I mean, yeah, I, I could see them doing that again for sure. I mean, because that's not a big that really isn't that big of a deal for them to do um, as opposed to something like. They had when they had Wizard World do the big Ghostbusters event there. Yeah. That, that's definitely totally different that was a completely different beast and um should never happen that way again <laughs> yeah i don't i don't think it will <laughs> I, don't think. I don't think that wizard world is going i'm gonna do my best dan Aykroyd. they they, they spent a lot of money they didn't follow a lot of directions i don't think that wizard world will be invited back on the sony lot anytime soon <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know it's just um <laughs> I I I want to see uh, though how they market the anime. I do I do wonder how they're going to market the animated stuff. I wonder if it's going to be a little bit different because you need to kind of get out in front of kids' eyeballs. I think a little bit differently. So right. I don't know. We'll see. Like, um, I'm excited about it though. There's so much stuff, and so even though we're kind of in the lull right now, you know, WonderCon's around the corner. Oh yeah. You know, like that's one of those things that starts to be the turning point of the year, and it feels like I kind of think about WonderCon as being like preseason to conventions <laughs> right? It's like, right that's the first one you go to that's kind of like off the summer for yeah sure. yeah for sure and then it's like by the time you get to may it's like everybody's traveling to how many different conventions are going wherever they're going for whatever so um and we're doing comic-con revolution again in may may 20th and 21st la ghostbusters will be at that convention nice in ontario california nice that's always a fun one um so that's that what's what's the dates on that again 
It's May 20th and 21st. Gotcha. So they call that, that's not affiliated with SDCC. It's just called Comic-Con Revolution, right? No, it's just Comic-Con Revolution. Yeah. So um, I'm not doing, I'm not, I have, I have no tables at any conventions. The Extra, extra Pleasant <laughs> Podcast does not have tape. No, I'm kidding. But yet, um, but I, I want to go to yet. more cons this year, I think. Um, I still have a dream of going to Dragon Con in Atlanta, but we'll see if it happens. Um, I've been a couple times to it. That one's definitely, that's a crazy party. Yeah, I want to go. That's a lot of fun. I want to go to PKE Surge. I'll admit it. Um, that's like, mm-hmm. well, part of the reason I want to go is I want to go see people who I've never met face to face and only talked to on the internet or on my computer doing this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'd be like, let's actually eat something in the same space together and shake hands. Isn't this great? So, um, yeah, I I'm excited about the number of things that are coming down the pike and that you all are kind of leading the way in terms of events to start off in February and April and um, just trying to, you know, trying to find different ways to fundraise. I mean, everything we do, all of these events is to help fundraise and raise awareness for Starlight Foundation. Right. And that's um, so, so much more important to me lately. I will say this, that like, look, there's a lot of Ghostbusters content coming and some people out there who listen to this podcast know that I've had a couple of weeks where I've been like, nah. <laughs> yeah, about some different stuff. And, and more and more, like the more I think about what fandom is, it's about like what you love and appreciate and what you can do with it uh, rather than like just 100%. What, can you, what can you buy and then what can you complain about? Um, and the charity work that L.A. does is like, you know, everybody's charity work is important. Everybody, you know, obviously all the franchises doing charity work, do great stuff. And um, that there was a great toy drive this past Christmas that bought mm-hmm. thousands of toys for kids and got stuff donated and all kinds of fantastic things happen because of people who wear mooglies on their arms and bond together. But uh, more and more, that's becoming something that I find has so much value. I think as I get older, I'm like, what do I value most about my fandom? Is it, you know, is it likes, is it approval or is it community? Um, And for me, that answer is increasingly more like community. You know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. it's not about what a way. Yeah. What a way to give back through something you love. I mean, it's, the ultimate situation. Yeah. Um, and it's something that can bring everyone together. And I mean, you see those kids, you know, you walk up with a proton pack and a flight suit and you see these kids eyes light up and it's, it's an incredible experience and, and being able to make a difference by doing that is, is so rewarding. Yeah. Like, and it's just, I mean, it's so, it's so silly and it's so little that it's, but it's cause it's like, okay, I'm putting on a costume and I go dress up and, but it, it makes people smile. And I think to me, like that is yep. part of what I enjoy about doing what we do. And so I, you know, I'll definitely be out at these events to come out and um, be supportive because I, I value doing that. Even when it's just like, you know, I, everybody knows this, who listens to this podcast, that, like I'm not in your franchise. I just hang out with y'all because <laughs> like, I'm not in any franchise. Cause I've tried to do that, but try to kind of stay franchise free and um, not have to worry about upsetting anybody if they're, you know, why, why, why do you, your group have a podcast to not let our group in? I don't right. ever want to be there. Um, and that's not, no, the way that's not the way your group is anyway, but, um, cause I wouldn't hang out no. with you if you were, but, <laughs> like, but I think about this a bunch, you know, that it's like, that is what matters at the end of the day is friendships and people, uh, and the community that you create. And I really appreciate that you guys do yeah. that. You know, I mean, no, that's, that's the point of all of it. I mean, it's, it's such a magical thing to be able to do. Yeah. Uh, with like-minded people. Yeah. And and when it's helping kids and helping to, you know, like slowly save the world, it's not a bad mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want that to be the name of an album now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like slow cooking, slow saving the world. 
Slow saving. <laughs> Set it and forget Just a it. simmer. <laughs> yeah. Simmering down the problems. <laughs> With the Ronco set it and forget it slow cooker. <laughs> a, new, a new cookbook. Cookbook to save the world. Yeah. I want huh. that now. Somebody make that. Um, I'll make it. I mean, they, have, they made the anarchist cookbook. That's similar. That's a very opposite. different thing. That's a very <laughs> different thing. Yeah. I don't think there's any good bread recipes in the anarchist cookbook. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> some people, really some people would argue that the anarchist cookbook is entirely set up by the CSI, by the CSI, by the CIA as a way to entrap people into making things so they can arrest them because the anarchist cookbook was made by a guy who was a former CIA agent. And some of you were like, Jim, have you just forgotten to take your meds this morning? No, I just right. read way too much about conspiracy theory in the anarchist cookbook in the 1990s. Right. <laughs> but yeah exactly yeah. um so some of you were like did you just endorse the anarchist cookbook no <laughs> we're not espousing it's, direct action today everybody it was a thing no <laughs> um well i do want to say this if you're going to commit to direct action it should be direct action that supports kids you can do so yes by that's a segue um, and you can do so by going to donate, donate.starlight.org uh, and contributing money towards the Ghostbusters gowns campaign. Um, it's something that everybody can do if you haven't done it already. But even if you don't, just if you're in the area, come out and hang out uh, on the 24th because mm-hmm. it's going to be a really good time. It was a really fun time when we got together at Scum and Villainy in November. Um, it's a total blast. And, and it's a good group of people to come out and nerd out about Ghostbusters stuff with. And if nothing else, just to play classic video games and drink really good booze. Uh, yeah, come kick our ass at pinball. Yeah, it's totally fine if <laughs> you win. It's fine because I'm terrible. <laughs> no, it's, it's part of the rules. You're allowed to be terrible at things um, just yeah. as long as you have fun. So, um, Absolutely. Anything else that you want to talk about, plug, let us know about that we haven't talked about? Uh, I feel pretty good, man. Thank you so much for this opportunity and, and getting the word out. And yeah. Helping us ready for more awareness for the Starlight Foundation and the gown initiative for sure. For sure, dude. Um, and I'm always appreciative of you coming on the podcast and of everything that you guys do in LA. Cause, um, you know, you all hold it down and yeah. you, uh, you represent and other nineties phrases that have been stolen and appropriate <laughs> hip hop culture. Um, but I mean, realistically, like the, the work you do is really important. It's, and it's something that I know that you, that you all won't take credit for it. And I think it's fine, especially Matt won't, but like the networking that you all did with starlight is important because it helped to create a nationwide campaign. Like that's, mm-hmm. I will keep saying it even if you won't. <laughs> that, like your work is incredibly valuable and beyond just our community. And I'm very proud of you guys for doing it. So keep doing it. Well, thank you. And we're, we're very proud to be able to do it and to be able to continue to make a difference, especially yeah. in all these kids' lives. Yeah. Um, so come on out, drink things, put quarters in things, give money to things, help kids yes. and have fun. <laughs> Um, check out Isla Monstro when it comes out because it's going to be amazing. Yes. It's on the internet. Go to, go to islamonstro.com and look at the Instagrams and, and the Facebooks. Yeah. That's the thing you're to do that for thing. sure. Cause it's a fun, it's a fun looking animated project and I'm excited it's coming out. Um, buy your tickets to WonderCon. come to Chatsworth and go to weekend, go, go to the Chatsworth Blockfest. Um, mm-hmm. did we cover it all? Yep. Yeah, it's a lot. And then there'll be even more stuff happening after that. Well, more to come. Yeah. Um, there will be San Diego Comic-Con things. There'll be more events that are happening later in the summer. I'm sure mm-hmm. that there will be Midsummer Scream things probably later this summer. So, um, yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. We're getting back into it. The winter is ending. The conventions are happening. Everybody unleash hell. <laughs> <laughs>
in a positive uh, fundraising way. Or as you may prefer, unleash Hellbent. Um, Hellbent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, you know, come on, come back anytime you like, because always have. Absolutely. To you, thank, so. thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast. Cool. Um, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks, Stephen. Party on. <laughs> Party on. <laughs> That about wraps things up for Extraplasm this week, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm really excited we got to talk with Stephen Shea and to be able to participate this week in their charity event by going out to uh, Player One Bar Arcade in North Hollywood. So if you're in the area, please come on out and help support Starlight Foundation and join us for some fun. And I'm excited to see what comes out of an airport in UK next. Like maybe we'll get something bigger or better, but bigger or better than the Ecto One is probably hard. So. If you're a fan of the podcast and you're enjoying it, please feel free to support us by uh, leaving a uh, positive review on iTunes or uh, on Spotify or wherever you're downloading the podcast from. As always, I want to say thank you to Brendan Pierce, Beducci Studios, who produces our logo. Our theme song is by defunct vaporwave artist Magnavox. And to you all who are listening, thank you so much. If you have anything to share with the podcast, you can always reach me at Extraplasm on Instagram and on Twitter or at ExtraplasmPodcast at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your week. And as Ernie Hudson always says, Try to have fun and always keep on busting. Take care. <laughs>